Marini's Media. A play in three acts by James Norwood, age 29 and a half. I put the battery on to defrost my window, closed the door and locked it. The first rock hit the window and bounced off. Third one went straight through and hit my other door. Is Phil Babb on here? This is the Totally Football League show. Who hasn't been locked out of somewhere? Actually, I once got locked in at Fleetwood Town. Well, I didn't, but someone else did. That's another story. Serious locking. I'm Caroline Barker, alongside lock, stock and two smoking barrels, unpicking defences like the smooth criminal he was. Super Sammy Parkins here. Hi, Caroline. Do you have a rock stroke car stroke locked in story? I've got lots of car disasters. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a bit useless. Um... Give us your top one. My top one is probably when I was injured at Luton and I was transporting big kind of buckets of ice from my home to the training ground. More the the thing that uh, Marcella Bielsa sits on, Mm. one of those. And I decided to drive to the training ground quite quickly, probably on the way in with it in the boot. It all fell and just completely ruined the electronics in my car at the time and I came out after treatment training and the suspension on the car had completely gone it was a uh, four by four and it cost me probably half what the car was worth it was shocker Ridiculous. Sam Parkin giving footballers a good name (laughs) since. Uh, He's got the key. He's got the secret. Adrian Clark's also here. Hi. Can you top that? Oh, no chance. Uh, I had a spin and ended up pretty much half hanging into a ditch once on the way to training. Obviously just ploughed on through, got got out of said said problem and and, and went to training. Yeah, I'm not bothered. No issue. Um, I did get locked in a bathroom when I shared a flat with uh, Ian McIntosh of Totally... Uh, football fame, and he had to rescue me. I can't remember how I got locked in the bathroom, <laughs> but but how the rescue the rescue you? mission involved a guitar, which was bizarre. What he uh, just he just sung his way out. <laughs> <laughs> it's too long and it's too long to go into, but he was a hero. Talk about it. Hero. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk about it, does he? Uh, and our Goldie locking chain from William Hill, Joe Crilly. Hello. I was going to say, and that makes you the two smoking barrels, but that sounds wrong <laughs> on every level. Uh, Quite a momentous day for you yesterday, and I don't know if you realise it, as a Bolton fan, it was a year since the protests against Ken Anderson. So when things started to really unravel, and well, I know they'd already been going wrong up to that point, but the change started happening at the club. Yeah, it's been a long 365 days, but things are slowly looking up, if not on the pitch, certainly off the pitch. Uh, and, and news coming out this week that Bolton are starting to look at a Brentford model for kind of buying cheap, selling big uh, and becoming sustainable in, in the transfer market. Are fans, because I think we all agree that Brentford have done phenomenally well, but it's taken time, right, to, to bed in. Uh, are you as fans willing to take that time to get to that point, clearly where, where Brentford are now? I think there's a, a split, probably about 50-50, where uh, some fans are pleased that they're still a club and are happy to kind of let the club build itself back up from from the very low point of of going probably down into league two and, and building it back there's there's other fans perhaps of a younger generation who didn't see the team in the 80s and the 90s down in division four uh, who probably have only experienced relative success as Bolton fans uh, the the Premier League years and a couple of decent seasons in the, the championship before things started to go horribly wrong and I think those people are a little restless and want immediate action but I, I, I think most sensible fans are, are kind of 
on board with the fact that the club are going to go down, but they they will rise again. It is, it's one of those things, Sam, Adrian, I don't know why you sit on it, that actually there are very few clubs that can throw the money at it, go ping, ping, ping through the leagues without going pop at, at the end of it. So why not go the Brentford model? Why not try and, and sell what you've got well, or at least create smart. what you've got? Football clubs should be run like businesses, shouldn't they? I know that we, we will have emotional attachments to them, but, but given how many clubs have got themselves in, in strife in, in recent times and currently then you've got to be smart, haven't you, about the way you, you operate. And if that is the model that, that will suit Bolton and, and the slowly, slowly approach, you know, who's to argue that that's the wrong thing to do? It sounds, it sounds sensible to me. Anyone want to comment on any of the transfers we've seen since we were last here? Simon Cox off to Sydney Wanderers from Southend. He's been brilliant. I yeah. think Simon Cox obviously had a, a fantastic career, but I think he's been brilliant as he's got older as well at Southend. He's been a, a big player for them, even early part of this season during horrendous spell for the club um, he looked pretty bright still looked reasonably fit um, and scored goals for Southend I think he leaves with everyone's best wishes and there was a bit of a link maybe that he'd go back to Swindon and could be the saviour there to get them the goals uh, in the absence of Owen Doyle not meant to be but yeah wish him well in Australia yeah there's a striker exodus sadly because I think is it Hopper who's an excellent player back from injury he's got a relegation clause and uh, which means that they need to sort of potentially get rid of him now and, and get a small fee so and Humphreys too m- might be on his way so that they're having to wipe the slate clean and, and start again yeah some some interesting signings I thought Ryan Woods to Millwall was was interesting he needed that fresh start didn't mm. really work for him at Stoke Gary Medine to Blackpool caught my eye I think that's a pretty pretty good piece of on a free. business yeah I think I think Medine at that level you're getting fit and firing, he could, he could make the difference. And the one that stood out, and it, it might have escaped a lot of people's attention, is Danny Rowe, AFC Fylde's talisman in, in non-league football for many, many seasons, has gone to Oldham. And this is, I just find this really interesting because he, he was such a non-league player. I don't know if Sam's seen him play. He, he's, a, he's a lump and he shoots pretty much from anywhere. Like He, he will have about eight shots a game. Yeah. And... He's got a terrific record. He can really thump the ball. But it'd be fascinating to see if he can, he can make the step up. I see that he played for Oldham at the weekend. He had four shots, so he was quite restrained. Um, but, yeah, will that be a success or not? He's 29, so it's come quite late in his, his career. Um, but, yeah, it could make the difference for Oldham or it could be a move that that just doesn't suit the player and he ends up sort of heading back to the National League. Nearly every transfer window in the non-league paper, they'd, they'd say, where's he off to now? Where's he going? He just never went. So, so whether it will suit for Oldham... As well. Uh, AC Milan, you see these reports lining up a move for Nottingham Forest defender Matty Cash. A friend of mine just texted me that this morning, actually, a big Forest fan. He's been brilliant this year. He was in my EFL team of the, the half season, or whatever we called it. Um, yeah, considering he's a winger and he's showed pretty good defensive now, so he's still been brilliant, raiding down the right hand side. He signed a long term contract, so it would. Obviously, that's safeguarded Forrest from losing him for on the cheap. It would probably cost them a fair few quid. AC Milan. Mm. They're also after. Um, <laughs> Come on. They're also after Anthony Robinson as well from Wigan. AC Milan. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Well, he, he had a season on loan at Bolton, and he was very good. And he, <laughs> he, took, he took the step up to, to Wigan, uh, and he's been he's it's been their the best same. player as well. This is, was a, the, this is a reflection of AC Milan, really, isn't it? I mean, it, it was the fullback at, at West Ham in the noughties. He went to Real Madrid. Falber. Yeah. yeah, it's on that level, isn't it? Yeah. I... Well, that's doing him a disservice, Matty Cash, because he's a, he's a good young player. Yeah. Odds on neither of those, Joe? 
Yep. <laughs> I'd be very surprised. <laughs> you can work them out before we go to the end of the show. Uh, before we get on to any more of the football, though, it's been a year since the plane carrying Cardiff City striker, as was meant to be, Emiliano Salah and pilot David Ibbotson went missing. Uh, events were held in Cardiff on Tuesday night to mark the passing. Meanwhile, FC Not have dropped their traditional yellow and green for a new white and blue strip that will be worn this weekend. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Now to the championship and the headlines look a little like this. Leaders West Brom and Leeds both lost their games. We're getting used to saying that, aren't we? And now the gap between the top two and third is reduced to four points. Nottingham Forest have the chance tonight, that's Wednesday night, to make it just two. A month ago, that gap was 11 points. Incredible. Derby have a potential points deduction hanging over them for unlawful losses. That's the charge. The Rams say they'll vigorously defend themselves. Sheffield Wednesday have released a 10-year season ticket. I'm not even a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but was tempted by that. And Tuesday night saw Preston win 3-0 at Barnsley. That's North End's first away win in six games. The biggest victory on the road for just over a year. And Ashley Fletcher's seventh goal in 15 appearances meant that Middlesbrough earned a valuable point against Birmingham. Marvin Johnson, low cross, Fletcher, 1-1! He's had an excellent game! Middlesbrough looks so lively when he's on the pitch. His seventh goal in 15 games, nine in all competitions, fine goal. There was controversy around that one. Either of you see either of those? Joe, you can chip in too. Sorry, I wasn't discounting you from that conversation <laughs> rudely. Well, it, it was a great uh, result, wasn't it, for Preston, who have, have got their sort of promotion hopes back on back on track. The shape of the team was interesting. They, they sort of went for it a little bit for 3-1-2. And there was no Stockley, no target man. And with with uh, Barkhazen, who, who can sort of play anywhere, it seems, across yeah. the forward line. And Scott Sinclair. So they went for sort of mobility and it, and it worked a, a real treat for them. So, so yeah, good on, good on Preston. They've, it's sort of feast or famine with them, isn't it? They, they go on these, these great runs and then it all goes wrong for a month or so. But, um, but yeah, that's a terrific result. It did, did catch my eye that uh, Struber, the Barnsley manager, labelled his players amateurs. Uh, which is always, First always, defeat at home yeah. under him, though, isn't it? Yeah, they played like amateurs, which is, um, yeah, you always, you always risk the wrath of the players by sort of mocking them a touch, but sounds like they probably did. Also, also, next time you come up against a so-called amateur team, that might bite mm. you on the bottom. Uh, Daniel Johnson in the Championship for Preston this season. 20 games, 9 goals, 4 assists. His best ever goal-scoring season for the club. One of the reasons, perhaps. Middlesbrough, Birmingham City. I might stay quiet on this one. Um, however, Jude Bellingham, who was central to part of this because it was the alleged foul, or at least the tangle-up in, in the uh, build-up to the Birmingham City, what would have been the winner for them that meant that their goal was, was disallowed. He's been linked again with Manchester United this week do you see enough potential both of you in, in him and what well, he could do 100% I understand all the big clubs have been monitoring him for the best part of a, a year now since he burst onto the scene seems to have a really good temperament as well to go along with the ability considering he's 16 and he's, he's playing regularly that said the manager has chosen to leave him out at, at certain times I think it was away at Luton recently and again last night I think he came on from the substitutes bench so yeah he's still managing him to a degree but I think Birmingham seem to have turned a bit of a corner now they've got Coventry in that interesting cup tie coming up at the weekend but they look a lot better defensively in the in the last few games after having that a really hellish run but yeah I completely 
Uh, expect him to probably get signed relatively soon and and maybe loan back. That would probably be the best way to continue his development playing in the Championship. I think for a central midfielder at 16 mm. to be playing in the Championship, it's just extraordinary, really. Just almost just from a physical capacity because he will get stronger. That much is, is clear. So, no, he's doing brilliantly. I think if he does go then he has to be loaned back. There's no way he should be going to a Manchester United, for example, and then potentially get swallowed up. Because he wouldn't get into their first team now. I think that he needs another two seasons at least in the Championship. So maybe a big club buys him and, and, and then loans him back for a year and a half. That mm. that would be what I would stipulate if I was Jude Bellingham's parents. And I'm, I'm led to believe that they do represent him, which I think is, is great as well. I hope that they're ready for what's about to come because there is a reason why parents don't represent players it, it, it can can be an absolute headache I'm sure to deal with various parties so I wish the Bellinghams the best of luck they might his, need it his dad Mark used to play for us at Chelmsford mm. and uh, I've had a, a few chats with him about various things over the years and he so he knows football mm. he could have played a lot higher than than he did Mark as well and and I feel at the moment if there's anyone that you think would, would make sure that he's loaned back and he's looked after, then I think Mark... I think, knows. yeah, Ms. Mark Bellingham needs to just liaise, I think, with either a proper agent or a lawyer just so that, that, that he gets everything in line. But, yeah, no, it's great, it's great to hear. And it will save uh, the family a few quid as well in commission. Let's have a look at some of the fixtures then coming up. Stokes, Swansea, Coventry... Birmingham will have a, a reflection of both of those. Stoke will be looking to capitalise on their strong start to the week. Uh, home to Swansea in this, the only championship match of the weekend. Brewster and Gallagher watch. This is what we'll be on. They combined well at the weekend. On he goes, Gallagher touching it in. Brewster! Well, that didn't take long. 19 minutes of his home debut and he's got his first senior goal. Tell us about Swansea then, Sam. Yeah, the, the two players that you mentioned, obviously Gallagher and, and Bruce, having an immediate impact. And having seen them coming into the side, starting roles, I had a little look at the, the age of the team. And um, it's the second youngest in a division that's been filled this season. Well, I say that, Barnsley have consistently had the, the youngest side. They're just over 22, uh, their average age at Barnsley. And uh, that was just over 23 at, at Swansea illustrated by the two centre-halves, 19 and 20 years of age at the moment, uh, which is incredible, really. And the experience just from um, uh, from IU and, and Norton, 30 and 31, respectively. So it's a very young side. I noticed as well that at the weekend, Wigan actually shaded possession, which is quite interesting considering the Swansea way and how we have seen them playing under Cooper. But I think they... They try things. They're incisive with their passing. They try and go forward. That's what I picked up from watching, certainly, the first half at the weekend. And, and the goal was a brilliant little bit of play. And that, I think, really underlines what Steve Cooper's trying to get. They play nice little short passes, yeah. very quick. And now they have that sharpness. I wouldn't say he's got pace. I wouldn't say he's blistering pace, um, Brewster. But the sharpness to get in and finish was was brilliant. So they're looking a lot better. I'd worry maybe towards the end of the season about that lack of experience in getting promoted and it would still be maybe the middle of the pitch where I'd be a little bit concerned defensively. Uh, IU's got a lot of experience but he's got to get back and defend. Byers as well has got to get back and help out defend because Matt Grimes is doing a lot of the dirty work and he's not necessarily that type of player so I'd still be a little bit concerned if they're the real deal but really good signs. Mm. 
Yeah, no, really impressed. Um, unbeaten as well away from home to every team outside the top four. I mean, for a young team <laughs> to go on the road and only lose twice and both to teams that are currently in the top four, that shows you that how good they are and, and how much pressure they're probably taken off of their rookie defence by the football that they play Swansea. So, and the belief yeah, in what he's doing. Exactly, yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot to admire about, about them. This is a tough one, though, because they come up against a really experienced Stoke team that might try and old man them, rough them up and, and, and use their sort of uh, superior physical strength, I'd, I'd suggest. They were great, weren't they, against um, West Bromwich Albion. I thought it was a really resilient performance centre half Danny Bartz at centre half was outstanding putting his head on everything Joe Allen's back to his his very best so yeah everything's looking good and and during the game I noticed that Sky put up some some data on on since O'Neill arrived and and they're almost like top of the championship in various categories since he arrived it's amazing really and and the stats suggest they're in playoff form across the last eight games. So, so yeah, it's all, it's all looking much better. He's gone with a British core. I don't know if you noticed this. He, he, he's got rid of Ndai and, and Atibo, mm. two players that were brought in during the, sort of, uh, the other regimes. And they've gone. And apart from Martins India, it's pretty much an exclusively British team. We saw the success Chris Wilder had with that in the, uh, with Sheffield United last season. So, yeah, it's... Um, that they're... they're, they're they're much better than they were, and I think that they will make it hard for Swansea. I predict a low-scoring match here, very tight, and uh, I'd probably lean towards a draw. We'll get the thoughts of Joe Crilly on that in just a moment. But I mentioned there's only one championship game this weekend. That's because the FA Cup takes pride of place. Still does amongst us, right? I mean, that was just the real comedy you were supposed to give me. Yes, I'll do it on your behalf. Uh, it all kicks off, though, on Thursday as Tranmere take on Watford. And we're going to talk to Nicola Palios, the vice chairman of Tranmere. Right then, Nicola, we are but hours away. How's the heart? How are the emotions? Nervous, but nervous anticipation. I think everybody here is looking forward to the game, actually. You know, particularly with the enticing prospect of a, a home draw against Man United, if we can manage to get through. I think, yeah, there's a, a sense of excited anticipation. Can I get the dirty bit about the, the pitch out of the way? Is it all OK? No, you've you've had problems. I know that's kind of put you through the ringer a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is unfortunate. We, we've had a problem with the drainage, which um, has, has happened quite suddenly uh, in the middle of the season. And obviously, it's quite difficult. Uh, you, you're fairly limited in what you can do whilst the season's going on, because what we really have to do is dig the entire pitch up uh, and, and relay some of the drainage. But... We've put a lot of effort and our groundsmen have worked phenomenally hard um, to get a decent uh, playable surface. So the ground's been uh, covered, it's been blow dried, it's mm. it's had all sorts done to it. So it is currently dry and it's playable. It won't look pretty, but but it, it, it should play OK. Don't tell them to work too hard. Surely, surely a dodgy pitch is going to play in your favour for this game. Yeah, I, if I'm Mickey Mellon, I'm thinking, no, no, we'll, we'll leave it as is. Thank you very much. Um, we're, hearing, yeah. we're hearing that Watford may, may rest a lot of their star players for this one. And I know that Tranmere, in, in terms of the league position, you, you've got other priorities. But in this particular game, the manager has to go full strength, right? Surely, I know you wouldn't dream of interfering with him, but 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 surely he's not going to fiddle with the the strongest eleven for this one. This is a huge game for you. 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't expect him to. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't know who he um, who he is going to select, but it is a big game for us. And, and, you know, in terms of addressing our league position, don't forget that what happens tomorrow night could actually have an impact on that because, you know, obviously in terms of uh, bringing in new players and strengthening squad to secure our league place, you know, that's partly financially driven. And, you know, it would be worse in the region of four to five hundred thousand pounds to us if if we can secure a win tomorrow night so oh, oh, and Mickey yeah, would get that money would he to, to spend on the squad uh i suspect some of it would wend his way to him <laughs> <laughs> nicola you, you you half answered the question there but um there's been a lot of discussion in the press mainly on social media actually about potentially scrapping the league cup and fa cup replays etc all a little bit frustrating if you ask me but can you give us an idea what it means to the fans firstly this replay and the potential of playing another Premier League club and also financially for a club at your level yeah I mean I think the people who are who are calling for replays to be scrapped are seeing it entirely through the prism of of you know the lens of the top Premier League teams um you know the FA Cup has always been a special competition which uh, you know has a has a massively cherished history in England and I think it would be a great shame to 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 see the the tournament neutered by uh, getting rid of replays and certainly for lower league clubs it can be a financial lifeline you know it can be um, for a lot of clubs who toil away year after year with relatively low budgets, a one shot at actually being able to make the next step up. And I think it would be a desperate shame to sacrifice that just to benefit a few clubs for whom, frankly, they've got plenty of money to, um, you know, to have deep squads to be able to rotate players um, if they need to. So I have very little sympathy um, for that argument. Absolutely. Neutered is a a strong word, but in this instance, absolutely right. And I think for you personally, we talk about you being vice chairman, but clearly you and Mark are fans, uh, first and foremost, of of the club. For you, what's it going to mean knowing that your club is is that close to to playing Manchester United, to, to having Manchester United come to your ground? I mean, you know, it's it's one of those matches that, that our fans would talk about for years to come. It is things like that that stick in the memory. In fact, Mark Mark uh, often talks about when he actually played as a Tramia player against Man United mm-hmm. at Old Trafford. And it's, you know, one of the games you'll never forget. And, and you know, it's... Uh, the, the, the great times and the big exciting matches can be few and far between when you're in the lower leagues and they're really important to the fans and they, they you know, they form part of the rich tapestry of the history of, of lower league clubs. And I just, I, I feel at the moment there are a lot of attacks on the football pyramid coming, you know, left, right and centre. And if we're not very, very careful you know, we we risk the pyramid crumbling. I mean, we've seen Berry disappear this season. I think it's fairly well publicised that there are a number of other lower league clubs. The, the the football pyramid is something in this country which is quite unique. Very few other countries have it, and I think we you know we we've really got to cherish it because we'll regret it if it disappears. Taking that one step forward, I don't know if you read the tweets by um, Andy Holt, he of Accrington. I know he tweets yeah. quite a lot, so I don't know whether you, <laughs> whether you saw all of them. But, but effectively calling for the breakup of the EFL, talked about the EFL turning over around £150 million, he tweeted saying it doesn't defend its clubs. In fact, it expels and destroys them. These are his words. Finds them, deducts points from them, has lawsuits flying around, applies rules disproportionately. If I need to spell it out, one day, he says, the championship clubs are going to say, we don't accept you fining us when we don't think you're doing a good job. Do you think there's a danger of that happening? 
I think the EFL has issues that it needs to address. I think it is aware of that and there is a big governance review going on at the moment. But at the end of the day, it's it's the owners and the clubs themselves mm. who've got to got to make the changes. And and the problem is that sometimes decisions are made on the basis of short term gain that, that isn't in the longer term interests of of the rest of the pyramid. And I think, you know, E Triple P was one of those. They they took a a payment from the Premier League, which in the short term was good, but in the long term, it's crippling a lot of lower league clubs who, you know, owed their survival in the past to developing players to come through. So I, I, I certainly think there is a, a risk of that happening if if um, the, the result of this governance review isn't some fairly significant changes, because I think everybody can point to things which haven't worked as well as they should. And sometimes I actually think that the FL get some unfair criticism on that because they get criticised for not having done things that they haven't got any power to do. Mm. But the rules need to be changed so that they have got more teeth to act quickly, to act decisively, you know, over things like bad ownership of the clubs, etc. and financial difficulties. Nicola Palios, Vice Chair at Tranmere. So that's the FA Cup. One other game to look at for loads of great games in it, although I know everyone said it was a stinking draw. But Coventry-Birmingham, the St Andrews derby. I love this. I love the fact that they're Coventry at home to Birmingham at St Andrews. It's crazy, isn't it? I looked at the uh, ticket news and it appears that there'll be around 10,000 fans apiece, which makes it like an old-fashioned FA Cup semi-final doesn't it half and half around the ground I think that's absolutely brilliant and and I give Coventry a chance here I really do uh, been superb haven't they at St Andrews and they've only lost three league games all season Coventry they're one of the toughest sides in of the 92 really to to actually beat so I think they can they can make a real good fist of it uh, yeah can't wait can't wait to see it yeah, they, they've been brilliant and we spoke about it early part of the season. The, the players are enjoying playing on a good surface, mm-hmm. Coventry City, and the, the brand of football that they're, they're playing, one of the best in the division, they wouldn't be able to do that at the Rico Arena. And of course, they, they should be playing in Coventry. That's, that's a given. But the players seem to be really enjoying playing at St Andrews. They're the form team, you would say, in the, in the division, the whole of League One, getting regular goals now from, from Matt Godden. Jordan Shipley got a good goal at the weekend from from distance mm-hmm. against Birmingham, who are be- better than they were a month ago. But yeah, this is a, a great opportunity for a lower league club to get through. Still stinks that they're not playing Coventry. Anyway, done. Right, odds on this. Uh, FA Cup odds then from you, Joe. A, non, a non-Premier League team to go on and win it. Okay, so uh, in, the, in the outright betting, Fulham are the first team from outside the Premier League to appear in the betting. They are 80 to 1. So that makes it around about a 20 to 1 shot that uh, a non-Premier League team lifts the FA Cup, this trophy. Other notable names there, you've got quite a few at 100 to 1, including uh, Brentford, Derby, West Brom, Cardiff and Millwall. Tram I'll just throw them in. <laughs> Don't worry about that. And Stoke, Swansea? Stoke are favourites to win this. They're just a shade above evens at 21 to 20. Swansea, 11 to 4, quite a big price to get the away win and the draw, 12 to 5. Lovely. On to League One next. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. 
Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30 day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. To League One in the company of Adrian, Sam and Joe. Southend One. We are though often accused of being a Southend podcast online. So that's all we'll say about that as opposed to a Southend podcast offline. Peterborough ended a run of seven games without a win, running out 4-0 winners over 10-man Wickham on Tuesday. Tony getting his 18th and 19th goals of the season. That should be quests. Quests, shouldn't it? Uh, while the rest of us continue to question the state of Tranmere's pitch, Accrington Chairman Andy Holt instead has been questioning the state of the EFL quite strongly, as we were hearing from Nicola. On to the fixtures. Ipswich, Lincoln, let's focus on that, and Sunderland, Doncaster. James Norwood, third rock from the uh, Sam Parkin. <laughs> Tell us about Ipswich Lincoln. Maybe he was still reeling, having been left out at the weekend at, at Tranmere. But um, <laughs> by all accounts, he came on and he was unbelievable. On, on the whole, uh, smashing his own window to, to avoid the, the big fine, I, I applaud his, his logical mind, mindset there. He's thinking, right, how much will it cost to replace a window? How much will it cost for me to be late to training? It was quite a practical choice. I think the human way to deal with that is to ring the manager and just talk to him, Adrian. <laughs> Especially given, like, I hate anything to do with cars. The thought yeah, of having to go and get a windscreen and a dent <laughs> fix for me is just like the worst thing. So I'd have phoned someone and just said, I've locked my keys in the car. What if the phone was in the car? Um, I'd have gone in and emailed we the manager. <laughs> Paul Lambert doesn't strike me as the most sympathetic type. So I think he'd be like, sorry, son. Yeah, you're done. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, yeah. And Norwood, anyway, he, he had a big impact coming on at Prenton Park. And yeah, we, we know Sunderland and Ipswich chopped and changed a lot early part of the season. Well, the big thing in it going in Ipswich's favour at the moment is very settled side. Yeah. He's only changed, made two changes during this better run. I think the last four games where they're they're unbeaten. He's only changed uh, in the striking department. So just showing that that continuity. They've got options at number ten. Judge we spoke about a few weeks ago now playing there. Teddy Bishop's returned. Another very talented young player. Good options. Tough run coming up after Lincoln Rotherham. Peterborough, Sunderland haven't beaten anyone in the top seven yet. Drawn five and lost two. So this is a, a big test for them, this little run. But now they're looking good and they'll have a bit of revenge on their, their mind after Lincoln beat them 5-3. It was, it was pretty level and then they got blitzed in the last 20 minutes and it kind of sparked some soul-searching from the Ipswich players and Paul Lambert changing the system, going to this 3-4, 1-2 which has gotten great success. So the fans were calling for this for a number of months. The the managers, I wouldn't say he's been kind of strong-armed by the support, but I think everyone's in unison now and they're looking a good bet for that top two. Yeah, on, on Lincoln, I think that they, they'll put up a good show in this game. The away form has been rubbish, 10 away defeats. That, that, that's, what's, that's the reason they're in, they're in mid-table and not, not around the playoffs. But it feels like Appleton is building his own team now. It's younger, it's more powerful. They're playing fast football. Um, I like the look of the front two. We spoke about Tyrese John Jules on loan from from Arsenal the other week, and he scored, didn't he? And, and that, that's got potential. I think his partnership with with Tyler Walker, four four two, plenty of pace and uh, and movement. And I've got a sneaky fancy, you know, for Lincoln to make a charge. I think they will improve their away form. And after this game. They've got six away matches and ten 
at Sintel Bank. Now, their record at Sintel Bank is phenomenal. Nine wins from 12. Mm. That, I think, if they can maintain that level in front of their own fans between now and the end of the season, they'll get enough points to, to be knocking on the door of the playoffs. So, potentially an exciting end to the campaign for, for them. The, the old air raid siren might need a little bit of oil. <laughs> might <laughs> yeah, might do. we overused, I think. What about Toffolo, uh, Harry Toffolo going off to, to Danny Cowley at Huddersfield? I spent a bit of time with, with Harry Toffolo when he was at Swindon and what he does, mm. he's a lovely boy, very, very thoughtful, intelligent. He, he buys into everything around the football club. On his day off, he would put himself forward to go and do stuff in the community. Uh, he worked alongside the, the Swindon Trust on various stuff going into schools and reading all the comments from the Lincoln supporters, it seems like he did exactly the same at, at Lincoln, really bought into the culture and it was a it's a place Lincoln that's growing, isn't it? And it needs that input in the community, encouraging the younger supporters, everything that the Cowleys preached. And yes, there's all all very well doing all that, but on the pitch as well, ridiculously consistent for for yeah. the Cowleys. I think he played seventy straight games for them. He lost his way a little bit. He went to Millwall, if you remember, and didn't kick a ball really yeah. under Harris. So he's completely reignited his career under them and thoroughly deserves his chance. And yeah, I can only. Say it again, lovely boy, talented footballer, and you only wish people like him great success. Yeah, straight into the team as well for Huddersfield, so there's no messing. I think unless he's injured, he plays. They know what he can Mm. do. Quick word on Sunderland Doncaster, because I want to spend a bit of time in in League Mm. Two. Yeah, look, Sunderland flying, aren't they? I I think let's give a bit of credit to Phil Parkinson for staying cool, because it was... It was getting a bit ugly, wasn't it, with, with with the support base, and he, he didn't panic as such. I think he, he kept a clear mind, found a system that's worked. Three four three is is doing the business for them. Chris Maguire, obviously, you know, is a complicated character. Not everyone's cup of tea, but but he's been a talisman for him of late, as as, as Lyndon Gooch. And, and yeah, I like I like the shape. It seems to suit the players. That they've got. I've noticed that they're pressing with a bit more intensity now from the front as well, Sunderland. So, so no, I think this will be quite a comfortable home win. Actually, I, I, I like what I see from the Black Cats, and, and there's every chance, despite what's happened, that they might get themselves into the automatic places. And, and remember, the fans were in uproar, but they've still only lost once at the Stadium of Light in League One this season, which, which shows that it was never that bad. We'll get the odds from Joe in a minute on Sunderland being in the automatic playoff places. Anything you want to add to that, Sam? Yeah, no, I completely agree with with Adrian on on Sunderland. I think uh, the biggest takeaway really at the moment is Wickham are going to be nervously looking over their shoulders. Yeah, especially after last night, you know, four nil defeat. It's it's the wheels have really come off there. Phillips sent off, and I think I saw this incident. It was late last night, but I saw it on on Twitter. Quite a contentious red card, yeah. but he did shove the player who potentially was going to get a little tapping from an Ivan Tony knockdown, so I can understand why the referee's given it. But I think Wickham have really got to try and consolidate their position. I think we're talking playoffs for them now, mm. um, realistically. So we, we felt Sunderland would click into gear. We felt Ipswich would click into gear. That's happening. And then we've got Rotherham and Coventry. And in, Oxford. And, yeah, and Oxford right, in yeah. fantastic form. So it's a really exciting lead league. I don't see Doncaster pushing themselves into the mix. Adrian was bang on last week and the evidence was clear again at the weekend in the 1-0 defeat to Coventry. Mm. Lack of a striker. They've got goals wide with Sadlier on one side and Taylor on the other who have got a good return. But 
Darren Moore spoke about them being behind Coventry in terms of their build and their development. And, he, and he's bang on. They lost their best attacking players in the summer. Doncaster were always going to struggle this year to match last season. On, on Wickham, very quickly, when you play the way that they do, it's all about the group and being together and backing up your mate and, and, and whatnot. And they had a, they had a well-oiled machine. But the wind, busy winter schedule, I think, was always going to scupper them yeah. because you pick up injury suspensions. They can't maintain the level game in, game out. And when one or two players just back off in terms of their output, it can completely collapse with the way that Wickham play. And that, and that includes having to bring in two or three new players every now and again. It can all fall apart. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment. They need to regroup. And I think the goal difference is down to about three. When you look at everyone around them as well, that's mm. sort of in the late teens, 20s as well. What a difference that will make come the end. Ipswich, Lincoln then, and Sunderland, Doncaster. Joe, for Sunderland two, the odds on the automatics. Uh, yes, yeah, Sunderland are odds on to win against Don- Doncaster, uh, seventeen to twenty. Doncaster sixteen to five, and the draw thirteen to five. And Sunderland have moved into fourth favourite now uh, to finish in the top two. They're behind Rotherham, Ipswich, and Coventry, but at hundred to thirty, they're only marginally behind them in the betting. And Ipswich are even money favourites to beat Lincoln. The away side are three to one with the draw twenty three to ten. Thank you, Joe. You can get in touch with us on social media as well, but we're off to League Two. This is the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker. Your headlines in League Two. If you wondered why I mentioned Phil Babb right at the start, it's because Mark Kennedy's the new Macclesfield boss and just a short, a very short search on his Twitter page will see him asking over a 10-year period at various times whether Phil Babb is on the social network. He's not. Meanwhile, Stevenage manager Graham Wesley, you remember him for running, well, it seems he has a penchant for baking. After their 4-0 win at the weekend, Borough Gaffer said, you need ingredients to bake a cake, and our cake was better today. There were three draws in the three matches on Tuesday, and as we've been recording this show, Swindon have had Jerry Yates recalled by Rotherham. No! <laughs> Rotherham. Do that again, because that is... A Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> he's lobbed yeah. a pen and everything. He's, he's fuming. Are we all right? How could be that? <laughs> I told you last week. You thought I was mad. Are we all right? Yeah, that's very, that's devastating. <laughs> I mean, I was just about to ask Good you how you're feeling. Interesting reaction. <laughs> well, look, all I can say to I Swindon mean, fans is he still cares, doesn't he? Yeah. He still cares about Swindon. Is that a tear? No. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's from me where he loved that piece of paper. It's a bit aggressive, wasn't it? Oh, Enjoyed it. It's terrible. Oh, Do you tell me how you're feeling? Well, that's the second top goal scorer in League Two after losing the, the top goal scorer think, in League Two. How do you think Richie Wellens would have reacted? Similar to you? Oh, he'd have been gutted. Gutted. Because this lad can play all across the front line. He's been the unsung hero. He's a top player, you know. Very good player at that level. But Paul Warren did speak about a month ago. He said, I don't want to kill, this is exact words, I don't want to kill the lad, mm. but we've got to do what's right for Rotherham. And considering their form, mm. it's a bit of a no-brainer, but yeah, I'm devastated from the Swindon perspective. Should we just stop the show now? We'll see, can't we? <laughs> We're not going to get a word out of him from here on in, are we? <laughs> sorry, Sam. I'm very sorry for your loss. Colchester United Exeter and Stevenage Plymouth, the two games we'll look at. Adrian, I'm just going to focus on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just cal- I'm going to try calmly try and uh, evaluate this game. Um, no, look, Exeter flying, aren't they? It's all about solidity. Most clean sheets in the of the 92 actually 14. So uh, so well done to them. 10-1 nil wins, which is 
amazing. But this was a good game, the the reverse. I think it was two apiece not so long ago, just uh, just after Christmas. And Colchester United won't roll over for anybody. So, um, no, I think this is a decent match. Again, I've mentioned him before. There are lots of good players. The two that really catch my eye is the striker. I think Ryan Bowman. There's a bit of Sammy Parkin about Ryan Bowman. He's a strong centre-forward. You can't Scores make him happy now. I'm trying to cheer him up. He's, he's, I really, <laughs> whenever you put the ball in the box, I feel like Ryan Bowman might score. So so that's a big compliment. And, and Nicky Law is the difference maker. We've seen it across the last couple of games. A great goal at Grimsby to to win the win the game for them. And in the previous match, he, he I think he'd laid on one of the goals as well with a nifty piece of footwork. So now I think Exeter have um, got enough to beat Colchester, but it won't be an easy game. I know there's real fears over um, Exeter's academy, isn't there? There was a little piece in the the paper about it, which could be really damaging for the club. Yeah, we, we've been discussing it before we we came on air as well. Me and Adrian, yeah, they've got a brilliant habit of producing players and they've been disappointed by big clubs, Premier League clubs coming in and, and taking them and, and not being sufficiently funded. You know, Ampadu's the one that jumps out. That one yeah. did go to Tribunal and they got 850,000. But, you know, it's uh, kids at 13, 14. They're not, they're not protected and uh, Premier League clubs can come and get them for very little compensation. And um, yeah, I remember Steve Perryman, I don't know if it was directly to me or if it was in a an article, but saying, you know, people in the... In the southwest, expect these these lads to be too soft and be too focused and going to the beach and surfing. <laughs> well, yeah, they've got a great habit of producing players, and um, the academy, the way they do things, it's very educational in teaching them good life skills as well to be good people, to be good guys, uh, as well as being good footballers. And I can only say how charming the likes of Ollie Watkins and, yeah. and Matt Grimes and, and Tom Nichols and boys like that are so they're doing it completely the right way from a very young age and it has to be looked at it really does because you know it would be nice to to see some players actually staying at the league two league one clubs and mm. having that forthright attitude to go and play 100 games 150 games before they move but I know the temptation's great for, for not only them but the parents yeah, as well the P regulations lots of good came out of it in terms of, 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 of the the stuff that Sam was just talking about there and I think the standard of coaching has gone up as well loads of good work being done but Conversation isn't isn't adequate enough, and and these are businesses, the academies, and mm. they've got to pay for themselves. And if you're going to lose your best kids for twelve grand, then it, you wonder is it financially viable? On the flip side, and look at this from a player's point of view: you're you're a kid at fourteen, say that you're developing really really well, and the likes of Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea are coming in for you. They're, they're speaking to you and saying, "Look, we'd love you to have have you at our academy." Why should they be restricted? By why should they be owned effectively by the club? And and who could then hold hold the big boys to ransom and say, well, you can't go anywhere unless we get X amount of money. So, so I see it both ways because mm. clubs are very quick to release players at the end of each each season. I think young young boys should have the right at the end of their short term deals at academies to to move on and upwards if clubs want them. So it, it is an awkward situation. But they are the lifeblood of lots of these communities as well, the, the academies and the work that they do, not just with those who might be future first-teamers, etc., but those that they take from different clubs and up and through. Mm. Difficult, difficult times for Exeter. We'll keep an eye on that one too. Very quickly, Stevenage, Plymouth then, Sam? 
Yeah, I mean, Stevenage obviously had that wonderful result. Uh, Plymouth going brilliantly, nine goals in the last three games. 17 different scorers this season. That's three wow. more than any League Two club. And it's a subject we've spoken about across the three divisions. Can you get promoted without that one marksman? Well, we've seen teams achieve it and Plymouth are maybe going to be the next uh, to do so. They've obviously brought this young lad back, um, Jeffcott, who mm. uh, was on loan at Truro playing for, for Paul Wooten and uh, a former Plymouth legend. And he didn't score at the weekend, but he's been a, a, a big plus. Obviously playing the way that Ryan Lowe wanted his team to play last year at, at Berry, three centre-halves, a little bit of a lack of pace and mobility in the outside central defenders and they should have been 3-4-0 down maybe against Mansfield last time out who we know on their day have got great attacking prowess so they rode their luck in their last game they'll fancy beating Stevenage but that's the area those two outside centre-halves there's a lad called Josh Grant who's on loan from Chelsea who's been used more as a defensive midfielder I think he could fill one of those roles no problem at all and there's a little bit of noise about getting him into that starting lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if he's deployed there. Interesting, yeah. No, Plymouth got to be favourites for this game. Uh, I looked at the stats. Stevenage uh, have entertained eight of the top 15, right, in League Two. Eight, eight of the top 15 and they've scored one goal. One goal in eight. New chef in the kitchen, though. Yeah. Apparently so. The ingredients are together. What I will say is it was a brilliant win against Cambridge. I saw the goals, good goals as well. Very measured performance, it looked like. So so maybe it will, will kickstart their season. Two two new signings played well. Dabo in midfield. No, absolutely nothing about him. He's only ever played for, for clubs I haven't heard of in French football. He's 27, but he's a big, tall holding midfielder. He had a blinder, apparently, and, and, and Jake Cassidy, he of Tranmere fame previously, yeah. has come in from Maidenhead up top. So, look, maybe this is the start of their comeback trail, Stevenage. Yeah, I like Jake. I think, well, I hope he does well for them. Colchester United, Exeter, Stevenage, Plymouth, the odds from Joe, but we'll start, take your headphones off, with the odds on Swindon promotion, Joe Crilly. Yeah, don't worry about it, Sam. Still one to three to uh, to get promoted, uh, which is the same price as Exeter uh, and makes them both joint favourites. And to finish in the top three, Exeter two to five. Swindon have just slipped ever so slightly to four to nine uh, from two to five, uh, but those two still miles ahead in the betting. There's nothing else to say apart from sorry, Sam. Again, just sorry. Sam and Adrian, thank you for your company. You too, Joe. Listeners, we will speak again soon. Au revoir. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. of the Totally Scottish Football Show. And if you like football, you're going to love Scottish football. It's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here. No, because we talk about all of the Scottish football. And geez, oh, it's great. There's actually a title race this year in the Premiership. Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again. Hearts are tearing each other a new one. Motherwell are doing, well... 
Well, they're doing well. So, if you like your football to be competitive, have a title race, and a ton of drama off and on the pitch, the Totally Scottish Football Show is most definitely for you. Grab Scottish football by the boys, just like Ryan Christie did, and listen to the Totally Scottish Football Show, available everywhere, even in England. Marini's Media.